Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sports Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. It's Friday, May 7th, 2021. This is the Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Welcome, everyone, here tonight to our show. We are live, and of course, if you're listening to us on a date other than May 7th, you're listening to us on iHeartRadio. So, uh, good evening to everybody. Glad to have you on board tonight. This is, of course, Aaron, and Alan is here with us tonight as well. Alan, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Really appreciate you being here, and I appreciate our fans listening to our show. It's awesome. Absolutely. We uh, we certainly love our fans, and we want to hear from our fans here this evening. If you're listening live, uh, you can always uh, call in here tonight. Uh, our number is 516-418-5572. Again, that's 516-418-5572. Tonight, we've got a lot of stuff to get to, a lot of sports news going on this past week. The Aaron Rodgers saga continues in Green Bay. We've got a lot of NFL uh, moves that have been made since the draft last uh, last uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, maybe the end of an era in Major League Baseball as Albert Pujols uh, was uh, released by the Cardinals, or rather the Angels, I should say, uh, or will be soon released by the Angels here, uh, here this year. And then... Um, Yesterday, we'll talk a little bit more about him in a few moments, but yesterday was Willie May's 90th birthday. Hard to believe he's that old, uh, but certainly um, certainly, I uh, want to wish from the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk podcast to say, hey, kid, his 90th birthday, and then Allen and I will get into some golf. Uh, Allen will get more into the boxing stuff. He's got more of the expertise in that area, and again, we want to hear from you tonight, so uh, we know Lou is listening, or he will be at some point. Lou, we look forward to hearing from you here in about an hour or so. Anyone else who wants to call in, again, that number is 516-418-5572. Let's kick it off here tonight, Alan. Uh, a week ago, we talked about Aaron Rodgers and the drama that goes on in Green Bay. It's almost like a daily soap opera. What do you think the latest is as far as where that uh, situation is headed there in Green Bay? Yeah, it does, it does seem like it's getting more contentious. I figured that when this came out to light that maybe people would start re-evaluating themselves and maybe look to kind of mend the fence together to kind of appease each other because it got public. And it seemed like it's, it's, it seemed like it's Brett Favre all over again. More drama. And I, I think Aaron Rodgers is, is definitely contributed to it. He basically is saying that he he is calling out some of the coaches that are on the team, some of the assistant coaches, and it's a situation as we predicted was going to be bad. But I'm really surprised that it's getting worse and worse as the weeks are going on. Brett Favre even chimed in, and he felt as if the situation is <laughs> it's like history repeating itself. He felt as if Aaron Rodgers' days in Green Bay are pretty much over, just like you said, and just like I agree with you on that. It doesn't seem like it's getting any better. What are your feelings on how Aaron's a week later 
things are going in Green Bay. Well, here's been my, my thought on this the whole time. Um, every day it seems like a new piece of the saga comes out. Um, we haven't actually heard an Aaron Rodgers interview about this, at least not to my knowledge. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard anything. I don't think there's anything out there that directly quotes him or there's an excerpt of an interview or anything like that. It's almost like, and I compare this to a celebrity who has an issue in their marriage, you know, going to the public and telling them and airing their dirty laundry. It's almost like that. And there, and it's almost like he is trying to get the public and the fans of the Packers on board with give me what I want or I'm not going to play almost the, the little five-year-old kid on the playground mentality where somebody stole his ball and he's going to whine about it. And, you know, that sort of thing. And I just, I think right now it's become a distraction to the team because really at this point, you know, we're still two and a half, almost three months away from training camps beginning in uh, mid to late July. What's going to be the first thing that happens when the media shows up, they're not going to ask about, well, how's the offense look or how's the defense look? They're going to, <laughs> they're going to bring this story up. So you're absolutely right. It's the same thing in a sense, not the exact same, variables but to some degree there's a lot of similarities to this and what happened in 2008 when Brett Favre retired in early March and then three or so months later he unretired and you know he wanted to come back and by then they had already moved on they'd moved on to Aaron Rodgers at that point so this is kind of the other end of the uh, other end of the line and my thought is this and again I Basing this on what the, the articles have been and what the stories have been from Adam Schefter and some of the other pundits that are out there, you know, supposedly he wants the GM fired. He wants, he has his list of demands. I'm not going to play unless you do these things for me. Man, I tell you what, you're a great player. Don't get me wrong, but he is really full of himself at this point. This is a distraction. And this is really the same thing. And I, I, I you go back in my history of what I look at with athletes. You can be a great athlete. I don't, I don't care what sport you play. When you arise to the level of you think you're bigger than the team and you think you are the team, I don't care if you're my favorite player. I don't want you on my team anymore. And that's kind of how I feel about him right now. Um, I, 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 at this point, would like to see the Packers just say, hey, you know what, we're going to move on. Let's try to just cut our losses while we can. Let's move on to this quarterback. You know, like I said last week, Green Bay didn't uh, jump up in the draft or move up in the draft a year ago to draft Jordan Love because they thought he was this guy they were just going to sit for 10 years. They had an intention to bring him in to be a quarterback. So, so I feel like at this point, if this is the negative thing they're getting, they should just go ahead and expedite the process, move on, get that next guy in there, and see where things go from there. Yeah, I agree with you. I actually do. I, I like Aaron Rodgers. You know, to, to a certain degree, uh, I respect him as a player. I love guys who have confidence, but up to a certain level. And I agree with you. This is becoming a distraction now. It's not going to get any better if it's not resolved. Come tra- come the time the players have to report, if it's not a decision is not made by then, it's going to be really bad. If he has to show up to training camp, I can see all the media, all the pundits, surrounding Aaron Rodgers, asking him about this. And to media's defense, you put you put this out here, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to be the one to uncover the rest of the story. And, you know, it's not going to be any prettier. 
that was another thing that did happen this week. Devontae Adams did say um, he hopes that they work it out because it is becoming a distraction. And you see right now other players are going to be impacted, whether Aaron leaves or, or goes. So when you – I totally agree with you. When you start feeling yourself a little too much in sports and you're an athlete, that's the beginning of your fall right there. You've got to always remember it's a business. No one is above the team. You might be great, but there's somebody who's always up and coming who's trying to be just as great as you, if not greater. So you got to have a certain amount of humility and appreciation for every day that you go out there. I feel as if Aaron lost a little bit of both, appreciation and humility. I feel as if he lost a little both. And, and when you're calling a GM to get fired and things like that, you're asking them to basically move you at that point. Yeah. You know, just think, yeah, if you tell, if you tell your employer, think about it, you tell your employer, not fire my supervisor. I have fired the person above my supervisor. That's not a good, a good situation. You're, you're putting yourself in. Go ahead, Eric. Well, I heard something years and years ago um, that I think applies to this situation. There, there, are, there is no I in team. But you know what? There are two eyes in the word idiot. And as much <laughs> as I'm a Packers fan, Aaron Rodgers is an idiot. And I'm going I'm to say it like it is. He's an idiot. And I think the Packers would be wise, even if this next year it doesn't go so well for them, to move on. And I, I even had this conversation with a friend of mine earlier tonight, a couple hours ago. You know, supposedly, and again, we haven't heard him actually say this, but supposedly he made the comments or he's, made the demand that do what I want or I'm going to retire. You know what? Don't let the door hit you on the way out, buddy. And don't think that you're going to retire for a year, take the uh, 2021 season off and come back because the Packers still, they still technically own his rights. And I I wouldn't be shocked if the Packers came back and played him and beat him in his own game in a year and would not release his rights to another team. So he, he very well, I mean, if he wants to play that game where he's going to sit out the year, he may never play in the NFL again if that ends up happening. Yeah, and you hate for it to end that way, but that's what happens. As I told you, pride comes before fall, and you know you might be feeling himself a little too much. I know he did the, the guest appearance in Jeopardy. I know that had a boost of his ego a little bit. Maybe he thinks he can leave the NFL and do that, but you know you still got you're still on a contract. You still have to be a professional. You have to kind of not say the wrong things in this situation and be a leader. You can't call for your GM to get fired. You just can't say stuff like that. Even if you're unhappy with some of the moves, people are looking at you and and you're acting like you're acting immature. You're acting very immature. I mean, that's just what it is. You know, you have to. And I, I, this, this is one of the reasons why I say it's kind of similar to Brett Favre because I felt Brett Favre was being immature too. Like, okay, are you playing or you're not playing? Like, make a decision. Take a month. If it takes you a month to make a decision, take a month, which it took Brett Favre more than a month. Yeah. But think about it. Talk to your family. You should be able to know within (laughs) two to three weeks, a month tops, whether you're going to go ahead and go through training camp and play for another year. You should know that within a month. If you don't know that within a month, 
then you need to find some other soul searching, I feel. And maybe that is a sign right there that maybe it's time for you to maybe hang it up. But if you don't know a month after the season ends what you're going to do, that, that's not a good sign. And I don't see this situation boding well for Aaron at all. I really don't. I just, I just think the longer this goes on, the ugly it's going to get for both sides. And I have to agree with what you're saying. I don't think he's making a wise decision. I don't know who's advising him or if he's just making these decisions on his own, but I don't think he's making the best decisions for him because another aspect of Aaron Rodgers is that he has a lot of sponsorship deals. When you get bad drama like this, a lot of those sponsorship deals will probably back out. So you you can also cost yourself a lot of money too. So I just hope it works out well for Aaron, but I just don't see him coming back to the Packers in the in the next season. I really don't. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he plays next year? I mean, this year? I You know what? I think if he does play this year, it's not going to be in Green Bay. I, again, I, I made this prediction last week. I think that with the salary uh, cap, the hit that the Packers would take by trading him now is going to be more than it would be if they trade him after June 1st. So I wouldn't be shocked if we get into early to mid-June, Denver, Oakland, or not Oakland, but Las Vegas, rather, uh, one of those two teams puts together a deal. Because here's the thing. At this point, the PR nightmare for the Packers on their side of things, at this point, Rodgers doesn't care. He's stirred the pot, so he's already done his, his part. He can deal with it. Now the Packers are going to be answering questions on things they don't want to be answering at this point. Now that's going to happen anyways. If, if they go into the season with Jordan Love as their quarterback, all you're going to hear going through preseason and training camp and even into the first couple of games of the regular season is, is this the right decision that the Packers made? And you're going to have those second-guessing people out there as well. So I really think that they have to be prepared in Green Bay for this to be a really – it could be a really good season on the field, but it could be a very distracting season too with a lot of these off-field things that are going on. And look, we've, on this show, the last two weeks, we've dedicated probably almost a half an hour just to this story alone. I don't think we've dedicated that much time to anything in the year that we've been doing this. So, so Aaron Rodgers, yeah. you're doing a good job of, uh, of causing distractions <laughs> and causing stories uh, here. If we got paid by the, uh, by the minute, we'd be doing very well right now. So, um, <laughs> Stay tuned on the Aaron Rodgers saga. Uh, this is uh, part two of that, and we may have part three in uh, in a week or so when we do our next uh, our next show. Uh, moving right along, uh, we are into the second month of the Major League Baseball season. It's going really well. Uh, actually, as I was telling you before the show, I attended a game here last uh, last Sunday afternoon in Tampa, St. Petersburg to be more specific, between the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, the AL champs, and of course the Houston garbage cans. I mean, sorry, the Houston Astros. I tell you what, it was a good game. Uh, Tampa ended up winning. Um, a lot of boos for the Astros. This is the first game I've seen them play in person since the cheating scandal came out a few years ago. And almost to a player, especially when like Altuve came up, Carlos Correa, uh, the third baseman Bregman. There wasn't a single person in those stands that wasn't booing unless they had an Astros shirt on. So um, good to wow. give it to them like that. I think uh, they they deserve it uh, for cheating a couple years ago in the World Series. Uh, it was nice to be able to kind of throw some of that right in their face here. I was definitely uh, part of the 
uh, boo parade that was going on at Tropicana Field here this past weekend. Yeah, I mean, that, that that's, uh, <laughs> you know, the Astros, they brought it upon themselves. I, you know, I really thought that they were going to kind of skirt on by a lot of the stuff because COVID came through when the season was about to start. Yet you didn't have <laughs> you didn't have fans, and I figured you know a year and a half, about a year and a half ago, right, two years, that people mm-hmm. would not forget, but kind of like move on, and just like kind of put it in the back of their mind, and kind of let the Astros do go about their business. But obviously, I was wrong on that. You know, they, the fans, like you said, are, are giving it to the Astros hard. I thought it was just New York fans too. But now I'm glad you mentioned that the Rays, even being in Tampa Bay, they were getting they were getting booed pretty bad. How was the attendance? How many people would you say was there? Hard to say when you think about you know you're looking around. It's a forty five thousand seat ballpark, I think uh, forty two somewhere in there. Um, the way they had it spaced out, I'd say there was probably a good six to seven or eight thousand people somewhere in that range uh, at the game. In fact, you know what? I can probably tell you right now how many people were there. We'll see oh, how close I was on my prediction. Let me look back here. All right. This is on, like when uh, you on the box score. marbles in the can, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to see how good I was in my, my projection there. I'm going to say about 6,500. Let's see how many was actually there. Let's take a look here. Yeah. Should say in the box score the attendance. Let's see what it says here. Hold on just a moment. 6,933. That was pretty close. I said 6,500. So, so this is 6,933 were in attendance, and it was it was a good game, a good crowd. You know, even if that place isn't packed, and I've been to games there for the last 20 plus years. You know, the fans that show up, they're passionate about the Rays. Uh, they really are. They're good fans for sure. They make a lot of noise. And I've been going there since 98. And I remember the first game I ever attended was only about a month after the season started in, in their inaugural year. And I bet you there wasn't more than five or 6,000 people there that time. I remember going to that place when it was practically empty. And then I've seen it in a playoff game, too. So I've seen both ends of the spectrum there with, uh, with the Trump. But this was a good crowd. They, you know, definitely um, got really close parking, which was nice. Didn't have to walk very far. And as much as it's a dump of a ballpark, they do a pretty good job of making it nice. There's air conditioning inside, so you're you're comfortable the whole time. And we had a whole entire area to ourselves, which was a, a nice thing too. Yeah, you know what? I I I hear what people are saying about the ballpark. I actually have been to quite a few Rays games, and I would have to say, all things being equal, and I'm and you know that I'm a Yankees fan, I got to give the Rays a lot of credit and. The ballpark actually, to me, isn't as bad as people say it is. It has, you know, you got the Ray Tank in the center field. You got a little nice shopping area. Food is pretty good. You got a, I don't know if it's still there, but you had a, a Outback Steakhouse that was there mm-hmm. at the time. I haven't been to a game in about a year there, year or so now since the pandemic, but I found it every time I went, I know it is a long drive coming from, you know, the Tampa, the Brandon area, but you know what? It's a nice ballpark. I feel I always had fun at that ballpark. Like you said, it's good air conditioning. You have good visibility, no matter where you're sitting at. 
I feel like you can see the ballpark players, no matter where you're at in that ballpark, you can see the game very well, which is always a nice thing. Your visibility is very good. And I've been there where it's been very few people, like you said, and I've been there where it's been packed. I've been there, there's some of their championship runs. And I, you know what? If they decide to move the team, I would be one of the people, even though it'd be closer to me, I would be a little bit disappointed. I'm not going to lie to you. Because what they're saying is moving it to the Ybor City, which is a lot more crazy as far as nightlife. You're going to have a lot of that crowd there. It's going to be congested with parking because it's already tough to park in the Ybor City now without a ballpark being there. I mean, for goodness sake. And then they were saying it's going to be kind of like a retractable roof or an open roof. They even said an open roof, which I think is horrible for here in Florida. I mean, we had 80 plus degree weather this whole week and not and a little 10 minute rage, rainstorm. And that was it. It gets so hot here in Florida that to have an indoor stadium is always nice. And it's well air conditioned too. Like you mentioned, it's not like, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice stadium and it, you don't have good sufficient air conditioning. You have very good air conditioning. I've been even there when the power was out one game. Mm-hmm. You know, usually it, it's a very good ballpark if you at the time wanted to get autographs from the visiting team and the home team. They, they, they usually the players are very autograph friendly at that ballpark, which is not the case in every single ballpark. You know, some players when they go to like certain stadiums because of the fans or because of the way the stadium is set up, they just won't even entertain an autograph. But there at, at Tropicana Field, it's a good place if you're trying to get an autograph. Plus, it's a good place if a player that you least expect might come over and give you an autograph because since it is in Tampa, it's in a good location, you get a chance where a lot of players, former players or current players, will see somebody that they recognize. For example, a family member or old coach will come to a game and then show, lo and behold, that player will come over who recognized them there you go. You get an autograph. You know what I mean? Yeah. It happened. Yeah. But I, I think it, I think it's a, a nice ballpark. I mean, you, you don't think it's a good ballpark you mentioned? Well, I mean, again, you have to look at the reason why they're looking for a new ballpark. You know, not to get in too much of a tangent on in this specific area, but, you know, the majority of the fans that are Rays fans live on – the east side of the bay. They live in Tampa, eastward, towards where you are and to where I'm at over all the way in Lakeland. And so the thing about the Rays is even when you – and, again, I've been going to games for over 20 years there. Even in some of their better years, they weren't drawing that many fans. And I I do believe that a new ballpark helps them out for a number of reasons. Revenue is one of them. They are one of the lower revenue teams in the league. And so having a ballpark – in downtown Tampa or in, you know, the area near the state fairgrounds or somewhere along the way of the I-4-275 area, that's probably going to be the most sensible place to put it. Um, you know, they've done a great job. I, I Like I said, the first year I ever went there in 98, about a month or so, month and a half into the first season they played there, it's changed a lot. It has changed a lot. They've changed some of the seating configurations. Um, they've done areas that are 
more fan friendly, the picnic areas, the the booths, yep. the um you know, the the club level type of stuff. They have uh areas now that are uh you know like rentable for like a business or for a company that you know, wants to have like a get together that kind of thing. So really what it's about a new ballpark is about revenue. And if you think about it this way, since they've started in nineteen ninety eight, you have about half the league that has opened new ballparks. And those new ballparks make a lot of money from corporate boxes and season ticket revenue and that kind of thing. So really Tampa's not playing on a fair market if you think about it that way. They're they're in they in Oakland are are two teams that do fairly well on the field. They don't do very well from a financial perspective because they don't have the amenities that some of these other clubs have. So that's where it's gonna come in. Um but I will say this, you know, again they've done a great job of, of some of the changes. If you look at some pictures from the early days over there to now it's changed quite drastically. Now that ballpark you were talking about, they I want to say it was three years ago. They were able to show pictures of what it was supposed to look like. It was supposed to actually be a closed roof, like a clear roof. Kind of like if uh, you're familiar with the new NFL stadium that the Vikings opened a few years ago, it was going to have a roof kind of clear like that. So it was going to be still air conditioned. They just couldn't find a way to pay for it. So it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be a challenge. And I really hope that the Rays do stay in Tampa because if they end up leaving town, you're not going to ever get another team here again. I mean, if you, you, you strike out once in this kind of arena, you're not going to have it again. So hopefully that, um, hopefully that uh, does uh, happen for them at some point in the next couple of years, they are able to find a way to build a ballpark. Fans will start coming and showing up. You'll have all that extra uh, revenue and that'll hopefully help things out. So, yeah, uh, but on the um, on the talk of Major League Baseball, I mentioned this uh, at the top of the show. Yesterday was hard to believe Willie May's 90th birthday. Uh, one of the greatest players of all time, 660 home runs. We remember the catch from the World Series in I think 51. Yeah, I mean 54. We neither one of us were around back then, so we didn't see it. But um, always always a, a great player. He was a great friend to Hank Aaron. Um, Broke in at a really young age in the big leagues. Uh, played his entire career uh, with the Giants. Started out in uh, New York. Ended up in San Francisco. And then he played the last part of his career back in New York with the Mets when they were an expansion team in the mid to late 1960s, I believe it was. Um, so glad that uh, we still have Willie Mays. He's one of the great old-time players of the game. He can tell you a million stories about playing against different players. He's obviously one of the great, uh, greatest defensive players of all time and just a really great guy. So uh, late, uh, late happy birthday, 90th happy birthday to Willie Mays. And then to one of our generation's greatest players who actually just recently passed Willie Mays on the all-time home run list and also has over 3,000 career hits. Albert Pujols is getting released by the Cardinals. It's a, uh, kind of a sad thing to see uh what were your first thoughts when you heard about that happening i was i was shocked and also outraged i i just felt as if i had to get the facts of why they made that move to to release him on his final year it's kind of like his fairware tour and a guy who's a legend a guy who's does the right things on the field and off the field 
great ambassador for the game, I was outraged. I was like, wow. I know it's a business. I get all that. But I looked at the Angels' record. They're dead last. You know, 13 wins, 17 losses. I don't really see them making a big move, even if you play somebody in lieu of playing Albert Pujols. I, I think it's a situation where you win the battle, but you lose the war. Meaning, yes, you might get a guy that might get a better average, might get a little bit more pop in the bat than Albert at this point, but you lose the war from a PR standpoint. David Ortiz, a lot of players have already spoken out about this, and big props to Nolan Arenado for giving a, a very, very heartfelt tribute to Albert Pujols, and you can almost see like he was about to cry when he was, you know, giving Albert Pujols his props and saying that, hey, you know, you're my favorite player. I look up to you. And that's where I think it's a bad move for the Angels. You got a young team. You got a guy like Mike Trout on your team. Young players and players that are in that organization are going to remember this. They're going to say, hey, when I get older, when I start to struggle, the Angels might release me or they might trade me. I just think to me, I don't agree with the move. Yeah, I see his average is 198. But you know what? You let the guy play. You go out in the shield. It's his last year. You know, you still got to pay the guy $10 million. So why pay him $10 million and release him? Why don't at least get something out of it? Fans will come to go see him since it might be, his, you know, it's very well his last rendezvous. They said that he was going to reduce his playing time and and what Albert Pujol said is, if you're going to reduce my playing time, then just release me. And I respect that. But you know what? At the end of the day, you let a, a legend. This guy's a legend. He's not just he's not just this Hall of Famers and there's this first ballot. You can start doing the getting his, his plate right now. You understand? Yeah. You start making yeah. plans for it right this moment. There's Hall of Famers and then there's Hall of Famers. And Albert Pujols is, to me, a legend. And, and I did want to say one thing, Aaron, that I did – I have gotten a couple of Albert Pujols' autographs during spring training. Yes, it was a mob scene for me to get it. Everybody else wanted it along with the whole ballpark. But he, he is a very good signer, and he did – I did get a couple of Albert Pujols' autographs, shockingly. But you know what? Albert Pujols, to me, is a legend. He's the man. Whatever direction he goes – I do feel as if another team is going to pick him up and let him end his career. I get all that, but I just feel as if the Angels, they disrespected him. I, I agree with a lot of the players. I really wanted to get your insight on this too, Aaron. Well, I don't think they disrespected him. I'm going to go on the opposite side of that. Um, I don't think it was an easy decision. I think they had to probably tug, 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 tug a war back and forth. You know, They probably had um, some sleepless nights before they – made this decision. Here's why I say that it wasn't a disrespect. Um, he is in the last year of his contract. Actually, you, you under you underestimated his actual contract. He's actually at $30 million. So, oh, yeah, the last year. Right. Yeah, the last year. So, so here, here's where he's at. They're not going to be able to trade him because no team's going to want to take on that $30 million or whatever the prorated amount is he owes. The way that the contracts in baseball are signed, it's a guaranteed contract unless the player, of course, retires or there's a clause that he breaks 
doing something he's not supposed to do, which, of course, Albert Pujols hasn't done. So he is going to clear waivers. I think he's on waivers for either 24, uh, I'm sorry, 48 to 72 hours. No one's going to claim him because if they claim him, they have to pay him the rest of that money. So over the weekend, he'll clear waivers. I'll pro- I'm going to guess probably either Saturday or Sunday he'll clear, clear the waiver wire. No one will claim him. He'll be designated for assignment, meaning that he will at that point be released from the team. They're not going to send him to the minor leagues. He's not going to accept an assignment to the minor leagues. So when he gets released probably Monday, the Angels will owe him the rest of that money. Even if he retires at this point, they'll owe him that money. And what will happen is another team, and we can speculate here in a moment on who that's going to be, can sign him to a league minimum contract. Basically, the Angels are footing the bill for the rest of uh, his contract. That's how it goes. And I'll, I'll give you an example as another player who went through something similar and was also a legend. John Smoltz went through the same thing at the end of his career. In 2009, after he'd been with the Braves for 20 years, he signed a one-year deal with the Red Sox. And I think it was like $8 million. He wanted to go to the Red Sox, have a chance to win a World Series at the end of his career. He did not pitch very well. He probably should have retired in 2008 after his uh, last season with the Braves was done. The Red Sox did the same thing with him. They designated him for assignment. He eventually got released. He cleared waivers. The Cardinals, they signed him to a minor league contract. He played the rest of the year, pitched uh, mediocre the rest of the season, but there's a similarity there. Granted, he wasn't with the, the Red Sox for very long, but the similarity there is Sometimes you have to just cut your losses. And here, here's why I say the Cardinals didn't disrespect him. Um, part of the game is you want to have the best 25 players on the roster. And you're right. The Angels are a young team, but they are also a team with one of the higher payrolls in the league. You look at some of the big contracts they have with Mike Trout, with um, uh, who's the third baseman they got there uh, from the, the Nationals a couple of years ago. Um, the name will come to me here in a moment. Uh, Anthony Rendon. They have a bigger payroll, and they have Joe Madden as their manager. So their expectations aren't to just, you know, be a 500 team. They want to win the, win the World Series. They, they should be in the playoffs with the roster they have for the most part. So they're looking at it from the perspective of, hey, we need to cut our losses and move on. And I'm sure Albert Pujols wasn't taken by surprise. I'm sure he knew this was coming. So I don't think there's any disrespect there at all. I think they gave him every opportunity he could. And where, where I'd say that the, the no disrespect comes in is they are giving him an opportunity here in a couple of days when his official release goes through to get picked up by another team. And I would go out and say it's probably going to be an AL team. I don't think he's going to go back to the Cardinals. There's no place for him to play there. But I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Yankees possibly or, you know, He's from, or he had a home in uh, in Missouri. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe even the the Kansas City Royals maybe picked up the phone and gave him a call and said, "Hey, any interest in coming to play here for the rest of the year?" He, he'll be picked up by somebody. I think he's still got a little bit of game left. Um, he'll be playing somewhere. I think the rest of the season, but you know, it's not going to be with the Angels. And unfortunately, it never worked out there. I mean, ten years, they never really had a great great run. They had a couple of decent seasons, but. You have the best player in baseball in your team in Mike Trout. The expectations are really high there with the Angels. And, you know, you've got to get the best guys on the field. And, unfortunately, at this point, Albert Pujols is no longer one of those best players. No, I, I 
I agree with you there. You know, unfortunately, when it comes to aging players, it happens even to the best of them. And Albert Pujols is a legend. It, it does. It's you know, hey, and not only that. I mean, it's 198. The season only a couple months in. He can still get hot to get up his average. It's not the end all be all. But yeah, you you do lose a little bit as you get older, and that's just you as you see. But I, I look at it like this. I do think Albert Pujols is going to be fine financially. You know, they're still going to pay him his money. He does have the option to go to another team. I, I, I get all of that. And that's actually, in a way, it's a positive for Albert because he could still sign for another team. And, you know, financially, he's going to be fine. The agents still have to pay him. However, I do feel as if, you you just let the guy play itself out because the thing about it is you have to pay you're on the hook to pay him anyway and sitting him to play another guy I don't think really helps out the Angels to the point where now you're going to be in contention you know say the, the Angels have a track history here I just think that a guy like Mike Trout if I'm Mike Trout and you're Albert Pujols Aaron I'm looking at this situation like huh. When I get a bit older and I don't hit that 95-mile-an-hour fastball, I'm a split second later and I pop it up or I ground it out instead of hitting it out of the ballpark, I can end up being like Albert Pujols sooner than later. I'm already thinking, forecasting what's going to be my exit strategy if I'm in that situation. And those are the things that you kind of get thought of, whether you're Mike Trout or a younger player. Like, man, if they're going to do that to Albert Pujols, they definitely going to do it to me. You know what I mean? You start thinking those things as a young player, and you should because it's the last year of your deal. You've been stellar on and off the field. I haven't heard anything about Albert Pujols doing anything bad. In fact, I even know his favorite food is his wife's cooking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this guy is a family man. And you know what? Albert Pujols, Yes, he's going to get paid $30 million, but he doesn't spend money lavishly like that. So the guy's rich anyway. He doesn't blow money away like that. So I get that he's going to be fine financially, but I know a guy like Albert Pujols, I bet you this bothers him tremendously. The fact that he has to look for another team in the beginning of a season, yes, I think another team is going to pick him up. Yes, I think he's going to be fine. That's what a reporter said. I agree with that. He's going to be fine. He's Albert Pujols. However, it just – what about him not want to retire as an angel now because you did this? He might want to wear a different jersey in his retirement. I just think you win the battle, but from a PR standpoint, it's a nightmare. You got David Ortiz saying basically that that was wrong. I get it's a business, but that's cold, like real cold. And, and I hear what you're saying. I don't see the Angels really, really making a move with even with the guy that I, I'm sorry he slipped my mind. Albert's going to be Albert's uh, replacement. I just don't see them making a, a real serious playoff move. I, I just the Angels have had so many chances to get there, and I feel as if they just they don't, and and that has a lot to do with poor management. They've had a guy like Mike Trout who's actually been in the league a few years now. He's a young guy, but they haven't given him help for a while now. So I just don't see them really going up too much with this move. 
I think it's a really poor PR move. And I, I just, I mean, I just don't see this going away. I think he's going to sign for the team. I mean, I, I just find like it's, 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 it's cold. I, maybe disrespect is maybe not the word because they are going to pay him. It's not like they're not going to pay him. Disrespect probably would be if they didn't pay him. But I feel like that's just, that's just messed up. If you're going to do that to Albert Pujols, don't do it to anybody. Well, and, and my thought is this. Uh, to me, it would be more, more bad to him if they were to say, hey, we're going to keep you, but we're not going to play you. I think the, the thing they're doing helpful to him is they're saying, hey, you know what? Unfortunately, we need to go with somebody else here at this position. We need to move forward, and we want to give you an opportunity to have a chance to play and play, play somewhere else. So, and, you know, the same thing happened to King Griffey Jr. You know, he went back to Seattle in 2009 or 10, I believe it was, and it was only about two, three months into the season, and the Mariners basically said, "Hey, you know what? Unfortunately, we 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 just can't keep you on the on the roster." And they ended up releasing him, and he actually retired because of that and never played again. So, um, another player who's one of the greatest we've ever seen, as well. But here's uh, here's just a quick glimpse at Albert Pujols' career numbers. Right now, he's just a hair under 300 as a lifetime hitter. He's at 298. He has a career 3,253 hits, 667 career home runs. He's less than 100 home runs away from uh, away from uh, the all-time home run record, which, let's be honest, even if he were to play a couple more years, he's not going to get there. His numbers no, have diminished the last three or four years. He just – wasn't going to happen. He's had some health issues. He really the last ten years where he has dwindled is he has had that issue with his uh, the arch in his foot, and I think it was plantar fasciitis that he had an issue with. Yeah, it was even back when he was in St. Louis, which was over ten years ago now. So it was kind of known when he left the, the Cardinals, his numbers were probably going to start to diminish. And if you look at what he did his first ten years, or I'm sorry, eleven years with St. Louis. He had 445 home runs in 11 years there, and he hit 222 in the last 10 years with the uh, with the Angels. Um, he has nine plus years rather at this point. So, so his average years have certainly uh, dropped significantly. Still a great player though. I mean, if you think about his numbers in the history of the game, he's one of the top five hitters of all time. Really, if you just look at his number of hits and how dangerous a hitter he was, and you know everybody talked about how dangerous Barry Bonds was in the prime of his career and even towards the end of his career Albert Pujols was as clutch of a hitter as there ever was and I'll tell you what he's a guy that I would have walked in, in, a, in an important situation if there was a base open I would have given him a, a free pass and pitched the guy behind him because you look at some of his seasons he had a year where he hit 359 that was in 2003 um, he hit 357 in 2008 had a 300 average basically for the first 10 years of his career every year. Had 30 home runs every year. Had 100 RBIs plus every year. Very consistent player. You talked about him being a great guy off the field too. So hopefully we see him get picked up by somebody. I'd like to see him get a chance to win another World Series. Um, I'm going to make a prediction right now. American League, he's going to go to a contender. And I'm going to go right now and say – Sometime in the next uh, three, four, five days, somewhere in there, I'm going to say he signs with. Let me think about this for a second here. 
kind of throw a curveball here to you. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to say signs with the Yankees. I, I wouldn't be shocked. That, that seems like an appropriate move. <laughs> you know, it would be a good fit because yeah. if he does sign with the Yankees, he could be a DH and not – then you don't have to hit every day. You know, that's the thing. You um, – at this point, that actually would be a great thing for his career. He played with a contender. He played with a team that he could be the DH and not maybe play every single game as a DH. He still stays face. He gets his fairware tour. You know, that would be actually a very good fit. And the Yankees are one of the teams that could afford him. I mean, they wouldn't have to pick up the whole contract, but I'm sure they would have to pay some of it. And nope, they do they wouldn't pay anything. If if they sign him after he's released, Angels will at that point have already had to pay for the remainder of that thirty million. So they'll they'll be on the hook for that no matter what. So the uh, the Yankees can sign him to a prorated uh, major league minimum, which is seven hundred thousand dollars, something like that. So it'll probably be half a, half a million that happen for the rest of the year. Now that's supposing too, because this happens occasionally too. Guy get released by one team, he'll go to another team. He, he doesn't cut it there either. He could get cut again. So that's something that could happen. So we've got to kind of keep an eye out for uh, for that as well. So, uh, But we'll see. Uh, by next week, I would assume that we'll see something for Albert Pujols having happened. Uh, wouldn't yeah. shock me in the least. Um, and then I know we wanted to get a little bit of uh, golf in. Now, you and I are going to play some golf tomorrow. But what's going on in the uh, in the PGA world right now? Well, Roy McIlroy has definitely had a great day today. You know, he, he showed flashes of the old Rory McIlroy. And I know it's it's a big thing because he hasn't actually played well. And one of the things that he got caught up into was trying to play Bryson DeChambeau's game, which is worry so much about ball ball speed after you make contact. You know, basically that's that's going to be like your driver distance. And that's not Rory's game. I mean, he does have very, very good driver distance, but for him to be using only power to win, that's not his game. Rory wins with power, but a lot of finesse, making long putts, has a beautiful swing, you know, not trying to overpower the golf ball. And it's nice to see Rory come back and and have a very good day on Friday. The first time he's actually played this well in over two years. And I know during a pandemic, he struggled to find motivation to get out there and play because there was no fans and things like that. So it was nice for him to do his thing. Also, Phil Nicholson had uh, played really well the other day too, to, to kind of take the lead at the end of the day. And it's nice when you, you, you can have guys that are known to be great in the sport but have kind of slid off the path for a little bit of time for a good couple of years and then they start coming back that's the cool thing about golf is that you know if you keep plugging away you have a chance to get back into the tournament and get a chance to take a lead so it's nice that uh rory's doing his thing i'm looking forward to playing golf with you tomorrow and Golf is a is a is a game that you just gotta go out there and do your best and have fun at the same time. You gotta be relaxed, and it's nice that Rory's doing his thing. So yeah, kudos to him, and 
And also with Bryson, I, I did see that um, he got himself a brand new Bentley <laughs> about a few days ago. So congratulations on that Bentley. Uh, he got the Bentley SUV. It's nice to be a golfer because uh, <laughs> you get a nice payday, and, and that's a cool thing. And also with golf, too, that I did want to mention is, um, you know, if you can end up winning a tournament and not maybe being the number one winner, but being number two or three on the list, you still get a nice payday. So for all the golfers out there or want to be golfers, keep swinging away. You might have a career in golfing. You never know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a challenging game. It's a mental game. It is physical too, but the, the mental side of it is what uh, uh, probably goes further than the, the physical part of it um, is the, the beating yourself up. And I say we're playing golf tomorrow. I, I, I probably am, you know, not the perfect person to say that I'm playing the game of golf. It's probably really playing me more than anything else because it's not anything that's easy. Uh, anyone who thinks that the game of golf is boring or easy needs to go out there and try to play because it is something that does challenge you. And you'll have a newfound respect for those who do play the game professionally. If you go out there and make a fool out of yourself, like you and I are going to do tomorrow. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. You know, one thing about golf is once I started playing it and started getting more knowledgeable about the nuances, the pros and cons about golf, I've come away with more respect for professional golfers because it is not an easy game. It's a game that you're right. It takes mental and physical toll on you. You know, in order for you to practice, you got to keep swinging a ball. And if you keep swinging, you know, you start getting elbow weakness. You know, your elbow gets sore and and then it's a game that you got to remember how to play a hole. You have that have strategy. It's not as easy as it looks. And then when you start playing golf and you realize how difficult it is, you have even more respect and admiration for guys like Tiger Woods, guys who have played the game really well, because it's not easy. For you to win one tournament, it's not easy. And then for you to win multiple tournaments with the pressure and people watching you, you know <laughs> – I had somebody watch me when I was taking a shot in, in golf and the first one I hit really poor, but then the second one I did a lot better, but I was like, man, it's a difference when people are watching you because you get a sense of like, am I doing everything right? You know, and <laughs> it's a difference when thousands of people are watching you and hundreds of millions of people watching you. So kudos to Rory, to Phil, Tiger, and all the golf players that are pros because it's not easy. I would like to to get Bryson on the show. I would love to, to interview him and ask him quite a few questions and get some insight. So that's another person that we would love to have on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show, Rory or definitely Bryson. So I'm going to try to reach out to them and see what we can make that happen for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking forward to uh, to more uh, guests coming up here in the uh, not so distant future uh, here on the uh, on the uh, show, of course, as well. Uh, what's going on in the boxing world? I know you got a lot of information there for us too. Yes, and the boxing world is has been entertainment, and <laughs> you know we got the Canelo and Saunders big fight that's coming up tomorrow, and the, the fight I, I do believe Canelo is going to win this fight, but I do feel as if 
it is going to be a very close fight. I don't think Canelo is going to win it by a landslide. I do feel as if it's going to be a closely contested fight, but I do feel as if Canelo is going to close the show by around the eighth to 10th round. And I feel as if he's going to probably stop, stop soldiers at that point. He's going to end up breaking them down by those body shots. And, and that's going to be a, but it's going to be a close, close match. I don't think Canelo is going to win by a landslide. It's going to be a contested competitive fight. And one of the things that just recently happened was <laughs> the Mayweather fight that's going to be happening with Logan Paul is official. They had their first, first press conference and, Jake Paul, who is not the same, is the brother of Logan Paul, grabbed Mayweather's hat, and then just chaos happened. And and a lot of things was discussion was going on this week about whether that fight between Mayweather and Logan Paul is good for boxing. And I know a lot of people wanted to get my opinion on that, so I'm gonna give it to you now on the Alan Aaron Sports Radio Show. I think I think the I think it is good for boxing because. It's bringing attention to the sport. You know, whether you are a Mayweather fan or you're not, the fact that he's bringing attention to boxing, that little clip of him getting to, you know, that fiasco in Miami was on Sports Center. It was all over the news and Twitter. It was everywhere. So not just boxing sports news, it was all over the place. So he's bringing attention to boxing. He's a great promoter. Now, as far as Mayweather is concerned, I can, I kind of see it from his point of view, and I also I can see where some of the fans are saying, and I can see where Mayweather's coming from. If somebody wants to give Mayweather twenty to thirty million dollars to fight, you know, a purse of that amount to fight a guy who's a YouTuber, if you have a market for for Mayweather and he can make thirty five million or whatever, being retired. I can understand with Mayweather's point of view of just doing it and getting the money. So I get that from Mayweather. You know what I'm saying? I I can respect that. I kind of wish that Mayweather retired after the Conor McGregor fight. Because if you cannot retire after getting paid over $100 million from Conor McGregor and another $100 million from Manny Pacquiao within a couple years of each other, you are just not managing your money well. That's just It doesn't matter how many millions you get, you're just not managing your money. You're spending it like there's no tomorrow. So you're going to be chasing money for the rest of your life. That's just how it goes. So for Mayweather, he doesn't really need the money. I, I Well, he might need the money the way he spends money, but from his legacy standpoint, from his legacy standpoint I do think Mayweather is, is taking a hit on his, on his legacy. Because it's not that he's doing an exhibition – but you, you're not even doing an exhibition with the better of the two brothers. Logan Paul's record is 0-1. and one. Jake Paul's record is 3-0. and oh. Yes, Jake Paul hasn't fought any uh, true boxers, but Jake Paul, from everybody you ask, is the better boxer because he puts the work in. He's got three professional fights in. He trains in Miami. He's the bigger, stronger guy, brother. So people would, I would say like this, Logan Paul in this fight, I believe, has about a 10% chance of beating Mayweather. I do think if Jake was in the ring, he probably would have about a 30% chance. Still not 
a 50-50 or 60-40, or but I do think Jake Paul would have about a 30% chance of winning that fight. And it's bad on Mayweather's legacy because of the fact that you're fighting a guy that people really don't think has any shot at all of beating you. So I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a hit on Mayweather. I do think it's good for boxing because it's bringing attention to the sport. It's not bringing attention to the sport in a negative way. I mean, yes, Mayweather is fighting a YouTuber instead of fighting another professional boxer. But you know what? Conor McGregor wasn't technically a professional boxer either. And people showed up for that fight. So I don't think it's bad for boxing. He's bringing attention to this boxing. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, I think especially with everything going on right now, you know, you think about marketing strategies. And I'm not uh, the boxing expert that you are, but if you think about it this way, those guys obviously are going to make their money. And you're absolutely right. I'd hop in the ring, too, for, you know, half of what they're making or even less than that, honestly. But if you think about <laughs> it this way, well, we think about it this way, you know, boxing, we, we don't have the names we had 30, 40 years ago. You don't have, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard. You don't have uh, George Foreman. You don't have those guys still fighting any longer. The big, big names that were the most popular in boxing history. So you have these other guys that certainly are going to draw names, are going to draw uh, attention. And right now, with the pandemic still in the process going on, people are looking for something to entertain them. So you have these things happening. It's a perfect time to try a different thing, try something new. You know, it makes sense. And, you know, again, people are going to pay, you know, they're going to pay their, their, their cost to watch it on pay-per-view or go to a, a sports pub and watch it there. And, you know, places are going to make money off of the food they sell. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of revenue that comes from this, and I think it's a good thing. And again, you made a good point there that it brings attention to the sport again, because for a, a, a while, probably really for the last 15 or 20 years, to some degree, boxing has kind of lost its, you know, has lost its uh, its touch because you know we have mixed martial arts going on, you have you know all the different things that have happened in that area, and let's be honest, some of the names aren't there anymore. So now that you have this starting to kind of rebuild. I think it's going to build boxing back up again to really high level. I, I agree, and that's that's the thing. I, I don't think it's bad for boxing. It's not a negative thing. I, I think I think it brings attention to the sport, and you're absolutely right. That's what boxing needs. It needs it needs these type of fights that might be unorthodox, but it gets interest in the sport again. It gets people. It gets the conversation started again. And and you're absolutely right. During the pandemic, a lot of fans are saying, "Oh, I'm not going to pay for that fight." Well, maybe you won't pay for the fight, but somebody will pay for the fight. I mean, if you saw in the press conference, you saw all that media attention, it's like, aren't you supposed to be six feet apart from each other? <laughs> I mean, it was like it was like there was it was like a celebrity walking through the mall. Mayweather and Logan Paul and Jake. I mean, there was there was a sea of media. I haven't seen a sea of media since Trump or somebody like that walking around. It was yeah. like that. Like you saw like a convoy of media, 30, 40 <laughs> people deep surrounding these guys. And you know what? Just seeing that alone tells me that, yes, you might be a, a boxing, you know, if it, if not is what you want to call it, you might be somebody who's a story in boxing and you might not think it's a legitimate fight, but you know what? Somebody else is going to pay to watch that fight. Believe me and you, these guys – don't know how to promote a fight. Mayweather, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, 
they got millions of followers already, they're going to get people to buy the fight. Whether you like it or not, you might love it or loathe it, somebody's going to buy that fight. They are actually, yeah. like you said, they might go to a pub and watch it. They might go to a friend's house and watch it. Their friend might probably buy it, but somebody's going to buy the fight. Believe me and you. And if if the fight wasn't, if it was here, you know, in, in the Tampa area or Lakeland area, I might have been one of the people that was there too covering it. But the fact that it's in Miami and that weekend I'm actually not going to be in town, I, I wasn't going to go ahead and go down there. But, you know, whether you like the, the idea of the fight or not, it's going to bring attention to the sport. So Mayweather, gets kudos for that. He gets kudos for getting whatever, 30, 35 million, being retired. Hey, if, if you don't throw the guy $30 million, how can I hate on him for taking it? It's his decision. It's his money. It's his time. So I can't hate on him for that. I respect that. From a legacy standpoint, yeah, it probably is taking a hit, but it's not going to be that bad of a hit still. Even if he loses this fight, since it is the exhibition, quote, quote, exhibition, it won't count out as a loss on his record. Now, Mayweather does lose this fight, which I don't think he will, but if he actually does lose this fight, it will look really poor on Mayweather. There's more pressure on Mayweather for sure than there is on Logan Paul, but I think Mayweather's going to win that fight. And how I think he's going to win, that's, a, that's another thing that fans wanted to know. He's going to win the fight because Logan Paul, he's going to do, Mayweather's going to do what he does best, and that's be a defensive specialist. Logan Paul won't be able to get too many clean shots on Mayweather. Mayweather's going to counter him well. The experience is going to show, and Mayweather's going to win an easy fight. That's why I look at the fight going, but it will be entertaining. And one thing that you may not know, uh, Aaron, Believe it or not, somebody had made a comment on Facebook about this. I was making a joke, but somebody commented on this. I said, <laughs> the best part about the Mayweather fight that everybody's missing is that Chad Ochocinco is on the fight card. <laughs> <laughs> Chad Ochocinco is fighting someone on that fight card. He's the first fight of the night. And a lot of people overlooking that. And I said as a joke, like, hey, you guys, you, you're because everybody was slamming the fact that Mayweather is fighting this guy, but yet they're going to pay for the fight anyway, or they're going to watch it anyway, I should say. They were slamming him, and I said, hey, you guys overlooked the fact, when I look at the actual fight card, oh, Chad Ochocinco is fighting this fight. So, you know what? It's entertainment. It's, it's, it's funny, but... The person said, well, Alan, Alfred, nobody really cares. And I said, well, who are you kidding that nobody cares? If you didn't care, you wouldn't have made a comment. So you, you're kidding yourself if you're telling me you don't care because obviously you do care. So yeah. you're going to watch the fight. You may not pay to, to get it, but you're going to watch the fight just like I am. It's just it's, – that's the great thing about Mayweather. He, he can – he knows how to promote a fight, and he gets you interested. He gets your curiosity going enough that you want to at least see what happens, and that's what he's going to do again. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but on the uh, boxing news, outside of that, I got Canelo winning, and I hope that answers 
everybody's question been asked me. It is good for boxing. It may not be the best for Mayweather's legacy, but at the end of the day, he's going to get paid. Logan Paul is going to get paid. The fans are going to get entertained. In this pandemic that we're coming out of, well, I mean, there's still a pandemic. I hope people understand that. But now that more people are getting vaccinated and we have a lot more knowledge about the pandemic, the manageability of it is a lot higher now. I think people still need things like this to get back to how things used to be. So I give kudos to Mayweather for that. Building up an audience in June, right after the pandemic, and you know it's going to be a big, big watch event. So kudos to him. So um, that's what I got the news to say in the boxing world today. Definitely some great stuff there. So we're keeping everything open with, um, you know, our normal major uh, sports, uh, baseball, uh, football. Obviously, we're getting ready for the uh, basketball playoffs and the hockey playoffs to begin. And then also, you know, taking a look at what we did here tonight in the world of golf and the world of professional boxing. Uh, a lot of great stuff here tonight. Uh, we look forward again to uh, to next week uh, being back uh, on the show and having some more news. Hopefully by then Albert Pujols will have signed and we'll have um, some news to go there. So, Alan, uh, it's been good uh, speaking here with you this evening. Anything else to add to the show here this evening? Yes, uh, you did touch on that about the Say Hey Kid. Happy belated birthday to the Say Hey Kid. I did want to wish him a happy late birthday. I know that Barry Bonds is a big, a huge, huge fan of Willie Mays. I am too. He's a legend and ambassador of the game. I was able to actually meet Willie Mays in Cooperstown. He was there signing autographs. And, you know, they weren't for free. I had to pay for an autograph. But you know what? It was well worth it. I paid for a couple of them because I got a chance to meet the Say Hey Kid. You got to appreciate guys like Willie Mays because he made it to 90. He's a, a, a guy from the old school who still, to this day, is somebody that, hey, you, you recognize. And he's got the statue outside of the stadium, too. So definitely what I have to say to the fans is, is uh, definitely appreciate him. And we also do have Lou calling in. Let me take the call. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Lou, All how are right. you doing tonight? <laughs> I made it. <laughs> yes, you did. You did. We really appreciate you. Yep. How you been, Lou? All right. Thankfully, you guys are on for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou, Lou, i got to ask you a question here uh, right off yeah. the bat. I know um, sure. we were hitting about this earlier. Uh, Albert Pujols got released by the Angels or is getting ready to be released by the yeah. Angels. What are your thoughts on that? Huh, it's hard. It's hard to believe a guy with that much talent and whatnot is being deported to the um, shifted to the minors. You know, I, mean, I guess he's. I guess he's been in decline. Kind of, kind of like the end of an era. Definitely, definitely is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we we mentioned this last week um, in the show because we, obviously we're talking on Friday night, and the draft was only about halfway over at that point. Uh, how do you feel like the Jets came out? What do, what do you give them as a grade for their overall draft last week? Well, I was going to say that for tomorrow for my show. Well, I'll give you my – I'll give them a B. <laughs> a B, okay. That's, that's not too bad. Yes. So, 
who, who are the overall winners and losers in your mind uh, in the draft this past well, week? Well, yeah, it's hard to tell winners from the losers. I think the Jets turned to be the winner. Um, I can't really say it was a loser. I mean, because I think most of them uh, did get what they want. I mean, I think there may have been a, a few surprise picks. I mean, like uh, like the 49ers and whatnot. They got their surprise. So, um, I would look at that. But I don't know if I would say anything about losing. Well, I was maybe your Jacksonville, even though you got Trevor Lawrence. But I don't think he alone is going to help, you know, uh, the Jaguars become contenders. No, I think he's a big piece. I mean, you could have made the same probably comment about Peyton Manning with the Colts in 98 or whatever year it was he was drafted. Yeah, that's true. It's not going to be just him. It's going to take a whole whole bunch of players. But, I mean, look, for Jacksonville, they can't get any worse than they were. I mean, it, these last couple of years have been pretty pathetic. So, And then you bring in a coach <laughs> like uh, Urban Meyer who really demands excellence. I mean, I think they're going to be a disaster here in 20, 2021. It's going to be a – yeah, I do too. Very bad year, but it's but that that's a good thing I think in a sense because again you have nowhere to go but up from here. And if you can learn to play together, football's a team sport. If you can learn to play together when you're playing poorly, kind of like the Cowboys who were one in fifteen in Jimmy Johnson's first year, you, you have a lot of I growing remember. to do, and you can grow to yeah you can grow together from that. So I remember that year, awful. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then a dynasty was born after that. So I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to necessarily be that. But I, I do think that – because I'll go back and look at the last couple of years of number one pick quarterbacks. I don't think Joe Burrow is as good as people think he is. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm not saying he's not going to have a good career. But I think that the Bengals are putting a lot of trust into a guy who really came out of nowhere – and you know, yeah, he had a great year. If Burrow wasn't hurt, I think the Bengals would have done a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Really the numbers in that one. Yeah. He was doing pretty good. I think Burrow. I agree with Lou yeah. on that. I think he was doing really well, and then unfortunately, that injury was just horrific. But for a young quarterback, he was having some success in the NFL, and he was definitely on the rise. And then that that injury, though really set him back, but I do think it's going to really show what he can do to make it back into the league. I think Jeff Burrow is actually a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. And what do you think, Lou, about Zach Wilson? He's already working out now with the Jets. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, hey, he's already out there doing now his thing. What you do on the field. You know, the locker room. And you mentioned you was going to give the Jets a B. Where did you think that they could have maybe did a little bit better on? Well, I just think maybe, you know, and they would be pushing it a bit. You know, coming off, you know, a 2-14 season, I don't think they'd be worthy of an A right now. They, they, yeah. they, got, they got what they wanted. They even got, they got, even got a draft pick moved up from uh, 23 to 14. So that's also a good sign right there. Yeah, being aggressive. But I think an A would be pushing it. Yeah. You know, it's hard to tell who's worthy of getting an A. I mean, you could probably say who's worthy of maybe getting an F, but an A is a little <laughs> hard to come by. Yeah, I mean, there's been some teams that did. Remember when the Bucks drafted a kicker in the first round? Uh, they, there has been some What some the hell are you thinking? Yeah, there has been some <laughs> hitch catchers. <laughs> but, yeah. And you, you got the show tomorrow, right? 
5 to 7 Eastern Standard Time. Yes, that's right. 5 to 7 p.m. Number to call is 512-543-4662. RP that again, 512-543-4662. We'll cover the um, – we'll take uh, what you uh, – how would you grade your teams uh, on a 1 to 10 scale? Uh, we'll recap the Derby because I didn't get a chance to do it last week since uh, we ran out of time before the race actually began. You dirty good-for-nothing. Um, also, also, we'll look at our NBA, the NBA playoffs as Hoop will get in the, play, uh, the playing games. Um, it's a tight race in the East. Can the Knicks actually get third or will they not drop to third? We'll find out. Uh, it's also the last regular season in the week of the NHL, so we'll check on that. Uh, early thoughts on the baseball season. And don't forget, since Sunday is Mother's Day, um, it's going to be ladies' night tomorrow night. So if you're a mom, going be, to become a mom, or if you're a dude that feels like a, a, feel like a lady, uh, you, know, you can call in. But don't blame me, man, if you feel like a woman. Oh, oh no. Oh, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw it. I just had to do that. <laughs> it sounds like you got a great light up there. If this keeps up, though, this could be the end of my career. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, Lou, thank so, you so much for joining us here tonight. <laughs> so if you got time tomorrow, uh, call in. And you can tell you all the ladies in your life, too, to call in. All right. Sounds cool. Definitely. And that part was, and that part was no joke. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. But, Lou, right, I now, really appreciate you. And definitely uh, always a pleasure. And definitely to your missus or miss, missus out there, happy Mother's Day. <laughs> nice. You're welcome. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a good night, Lou. <laughs> the always entertaining, having something uh, very interesting to say, Lou, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for him uh, again joining our program tonight. He is our number one caller. So, um so it looks like we've had a great night here again tonight. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who has uh, tuned in and listened. If you missed part of our show tonight, I want to hear one of our previous uh, shows. We are, of course, archived at uh, iHeartRadio. You can simply just download the app and, of course, uh, search Alan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast, and our little icon or logo will pop up there. Alan is the gentleman on the left. I am the gentleman on the right. Um, if you know us, we look nothing like the people in the characters there, but uh, Alan did a great job having those designed. So, um, <laughs> uh, but a great night here this evening. We certainly love uh, love hearing from you as fans. Uh, if you want to drop us a line on our Facebook page, we'd love to hear from you, and we may even at some point uh, read your comments on the air. So, uh, signing off here tonight for May seventh, twenty twenty one. This is Aaron for Alan. Everyone have a great evening. Thank you for listening to the Evan Aaron's Full Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.